0: Rack House Ramblings, episode number six, take one. Welcome to Rackhouse Ramblings. I'm Jeff, and thanks for listening. This is episode number six. No kidding! Wow, what a what a week it has been. (laughs) You know, before we get into episode six, I want to talk about uh, episode five. At the very end, we put a new song out, Russ and I. It's called Namaste Home, and uh, it's everyone seems to like it. Who would have thought? Me, uh, I never would have thought. During the week, if you if you don't know Russ, uh, Russ and I, and actually Aaron helped out too, and we did a little live. broadcast on instagram and if you want to recheck it out it's at russ underscore rivard on instagram so you can check it out on russ's instagram so we enjoyed doing it it uh flowed pretty easy and uh, we're probably going to do a couple more so nothing on this episode but stay tuned in other episodes i'm sure we're going to have uh, another song or two in us that uh are going to be uh, inspired by this corona stuff so stay tuned with that and um you know what, today there's gonna to be quite a, uh, quite a few things to ramble about, got a lot of good uh, insights and things to talk about. The first segment, I'm gonna do another uh, Corona Crap uh, vent session. <laughs> I'll try and make it short, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. And then uh, most of that's, I guess, really it's the view from the front lines, in case uh, you wanna hear about it. I'm sure some people wanna hear about Some I'm sure a lot of people know about it already. Uh, the next segment, I, want, I have a question to ponder, and I, was thought, I thought about this week, it's Are You Essential? Think about that one. That would be a good, uh, interesting segment. And then in this week's Bourbon Spotlight, not so much going to be a uh, sampling a bourbon as it is about bourbon. So uh, it's a little bit different spotlight this week. I think you'll like it. Then we're going to serve the greater good and do a few uh, PSAs, public service announcements. Those are uh, something I had fun with, and I think you'll like it. So keep listening. Let's get into Episode 6 of Rack House Ramblings. back and this is our first segment. I call it my Corona crap. You know, I got to say people are stupid. I know you've heard it before and I know a lot of you say it every day, but people are really stupid. So when I wrote this, I said it was yesterday's shift, but it was actually a a couple days ago. Um, It was a busy one of those Corona days that we've been getting lately. And we responded to a bunch of emergencies, but a couple of them really stand out. And I use the word uh, emergencies loosely here, that term. So right out of the gate, we're called to repeat customer. And it's an individual who wanted to go to the emergency room during my previous shift. So he called us again on this shift. So keep in mind, we had a two-day break between shifts. So this guy went to the hospital. I was on a two-day break. And now we're seeing him again. And it's our third day. Now, I'm saying this because think about it. This is the incubation period, you know, the one you hear about on TV, that it takes three days for someone to start showing a corona symptoms. And you guessed it. So now this guy is a temp of 103. Previously, he didn't have a temp. He just wanted to go to the hospital. So three days ago, he insisted there was nothing he could do to stay home, nothing he could do to make himself feel better. And, you know, we have our, our paramedic at the front talking to him. And he, just, he was explaining over and over what the outcome would be. And now here we are, three days later, standing in front of him, and, you know, the, the lead paramedic that, that taken the call is only a few feet away. When I look up to him, you know, I had this vision in my head. Damn, he's like freaking Superman with the cape on, wearing the, the white protective suit that I was telling you about in the last podcast. And um, we, we can all hear it in our head. You know, we want to say, I told you so. But, of course, we can't. And so we're watching this conversation happen. We're all standing back. And then, as if it wasn't bad enough, not one, not two, not three, but six people walk out of the same apartment. Right from behind the guy, and not one of them shows any concern about being infected. They're like they're asking, "Hey, what hospital is he going to go to?" And they're texting on their phones, they got their phones in their hand, and you know, needless say, they're not going to be able to visit right now. There are no visitors allowed at any hospital, and you know, I'm thinking they didn't watch the news, they didn't care about any of it, and in the back of our head, we like "Okay, we going to take him to the hospital, and we get in the engine, we drive away, and guess what? We're probably going to be back there in three days for those other six people." In the apartment building and now as they came out and this guy came out guess what he does he pushes the door handle and there's one door for six units in each apartment building so now anyone that comes to that door for the next three days is he's transmitted it to him so you know we're thinking boy this is going to be great we're going to be at this apartment complex for the next few weeks you know, think about it. So if you're working the front lines, I'm sure you got a similar story. All you guys, I know you're nodding and you're probably going to tell your spouse, yep, this happened and that happened. And, you know, that makes me think, I guess I'm more frustrated because being exposed uh, by their loved one, those six people, that's their choice, right? But possibly exposing us, I mean, the crew we work with, that really sucks. And, 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 I would feel terrible, not so much for me, but if we brought this shit home, you know, like on your clothes or on your glasses, on your wedding bands, you know, whatever. And we all wear the PPE, wear the masks, wear the gloves, we sanitize, we wash, we disinfect, but none of us is perfect. And, you know, thinking that this stuff stays alive for three days, you know, in my head, something sticks out, we call it selfish. And is it fair to call some of the 911 callers selfish? You know, I think so. That's my opinion. So the second call we go on, another course to call it a 911 call that sticks out in my head is from a, this person called, was having trouble breathing or so they say, and they're confirmed with coronavirus. Yeah, that's what, you're exactly right. I said confirmed. This person says they're having trouble breathing. They want to go to the emergency room. So of course we go up there and Superman paramedic, all gowned up, masked up, gloved up and goes up to the porch because now we make everyone come out to the porch And uh, puts a mask on this lady. Takes a set of vitals. And uh, so now while he's doing the testament, she's talking, telling what's going on. I want to go back to the hospital. And there's no signs of breathing trouble whatsoever. She says, well, I have asthma and I'm using my prescribed inhaler, but I need to go back to the hospital. Well. I'm not sure if she knows or not. Believe it or not, the hospital doesn't want infected people to go back. That's why they discharged you. <laughs> Hello. So they don't seem to put two and two together. So while this conversation is happening, she starts to take off the mask as if we can't hear her or the medic on the porch can't hear her. You know, she wants to make it clear. So she's reaching to take off her mask and we're like, oh shit, stop right there. Put it back on. And um, so just like the last call, there's a family member standing right next to her, and this kid's smoking a cigarette, and he's shaking his head. He's getting upset and can't understand why we don't want to take her, we're reluctant to take her back to the hospital. And I'm thinking, you know, of course, myself and a few other guys, we're, we stand at our distance. And in my head, I'm saying, we don't want to take her back for the same reason you don't want to put her in your car and drive her back yourself, you know? So here, here's another house. We're going to be back there in three days for this same other person, the second person that's not wearing a mask that's not isolating not quarantine or anything because right here's a lady standing right next to him she has the coronavirus it's confirmed she's already been tested and i guess when you say it out loud it's even harder to believe right and you want to just smack him in the side of the head and say what <laughs> what are you thinking and of course it comes back to my opening statement wow people are stupid <laughs> I'm going to go on a little bit more about the stupid thing. So uh, the other shift, we had two house fires in one day, which doesn't happen very often. The first one was a grease fire. So I have to give you a, a heads up. Don't put water on a grease fire. It only gets bigger. When you put water on a grease fire, it pretty much explodes in case you didn't know. So think about it. Oil and water don't mix, especially hot oil and water. You put it on water on hot oil and it is an <laughs> explosion. So I guess when you're bored in your home and you watch all them cooking shows, you make, they, they make it look really really easy. Just do this and that and voila. But the next thing you know, your stove is on fire and microwave hood is melting and oh shit. And you call 911. Yeah. So needless to say, we think we're going to see some more of these fires. And sure enough, later in the day, had another house fire. No shit. It was like two in one day. So this one started on the stove, but no one was cooking. This one was by two pizza boxes on the stove. So the homeowner, she blames the dogs because, you know, dogs jump up on stoves all the time and they turn the gas burner on, you know, and they hold it down until it clicks and turns on. And, you know, I just want to ask out there, can anyone send me an actual video of a dog that can turn on stove burners? I would like to see that one. So, you know the gas one with the igniter clicking, that's what I want to see where the dog holds it down. So I just shake my head because, you know, what the dog can't argue in his defense. And the sad thing is on that fire, both dogs died and it sucks. You know, doing CPR in dogs is just as sucky, if not more, as doing CPR in people, just so you know. And, you know, that makes me think too, uh, before we go any further, I want to thank a few guys. So when, when we show up on a fire, everyone has a job. I'm gonna kind of paint the picture here, and it looks like chaos, but really it's not. We all have a specific job. So when the engine shows up, your first one on your job is to get water through the hoses up to the guys putting out the fire. That's the suppression, they call it. So now getting water through the hoses isn't just, like you don't just press a button or flip a switch. First, you gotta make sure the air brake's on, engage the power takeoff, the PTO, just like on a tractor. Then you have to put it back in drive. Then you step out to the pump panel, and you know as the guys pull off the hose, uh, you look at that pump panel. You put the the pull the lever that says take the water from the tank, put it to the pump. Then you make sure when the guys pull off the hose from from the engine, it's completely flaked out. They don't want any kinks or bends or anything. Of course, they're usually you always forget one, and. Once the firefighter guy's doing suppression, give you the thumbs up, now you can give them water. So now you go back to the pump panel, pull the lever that sends water to that hose. And you got to make sure you don't pull the wrong lever because there's at least five or six others that look exactly the same. And you guys know what I'm talking about. So you pull the lever, you watch that hose stiffen up, boom, pops rigid. Now you look at the pressure gauge, make sure there's enough pressure for the guys going in. And you're like, holy shit, by now you've got about two or three minutes. That's 120, 180 seconds to do all those things. And so now you can think about getting water from the hydrant into your engine. And that is the job of the second engine coming in. And that's those are kind of the guys that I want to thank. Because really, by the time we do all this, get to the hydrant, we have uh, five minutes. So each nozzle will put out 100 gallons per minute. Our tank holds 500 gallons. That's five minutes that you have Pull the handle. They go in. They start spraying water. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Now you have to dress the height, flush that hydrant, hook it up. You know, there's a lot going on. And what happens is those second guys do are the ones that do all that uh, to get the water supply. And those are the guys that I want to thank. So I was first due the other day, and Joe, Bill, Mike, um, all you guys. Uh, really make me give me a lot more confidence knowing that you're on the way i really appreciate it and i want to give a shout out to you guys and uh it's a pleasure working with you guys you make uh, make the job a little bit easier especially when you're first due on the scene so joe bill mike you guys thanks a lot i really appreciate it so that's the end of my corona rant for right now (laughs) we'll get on to the uh next segment thanks for listening i'll be right back Let's talk about DNP Painting, Dave and Phil. For your interior and exterior painting needs, call DNP Painting at 586-383-3578. Quality guys, quality work, quality paint from Sherwin-Williams. I know them, I trust them, you should too. DNP Painting, 586-383-3578. Rackhouse Ramblings has a new advertiser at Sievert Tree Service, 586-904-1367. For professional tree trimming, They're licensed and insured. Call Hans Sievert for an estimate. Sievert Tree Service. For all your trimming and pruning needs to complete tree removal and stump grinding. 586-904-1367. Or check them out on Facebook at Sievert Tree Service. That's C-Vert, V-E-R-T, Tree Service. I'm back. This is episode six with the Bourbon Spotlight, and this week's Bourbon Spotlight is going to be a little bit different. We're not so much going to taste any, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to spotlight a book about bourbon, and it's called Bourbon Curious by Fred Minnick. I really like this book. This author, Fred Minnick, he's a huge name in the bourbon world, and I follow everything he does. He writes about bourbon, talks about bourbon, podcasts about bourbon, judges bourbon, tastes anything about bourbon you're going to see this guy's name come up, Fred Minnick. So he has a book, it's called Bourbon Curious, and it's a great read, I like it. Um, I keep it down here in my, bur- in my studio, in my bourbon room, You'll, if you look over in the pictures, sitting on top of that barrel is a book, it's called uh, Bourbon Curious. Now right out of the gate, uh, I'm breezing through the book, and the introduction kind of educated me on a few things about bourbon, like just reading the label, does it say bourbon whiskey, straight bourbon whiskey, blended bourbon whiskey, blended straight bourbon whiskey, bottled in bond whiskey, holy crap. It is that is a mouthful about bourbon whiskey. And you know, and the other the other thing, did you know there's two ways to spell whiskey? There is. W H I S K E Y and W H I S K Y with no E, no shit. Another cool fact that was in this first introduction is Jack Daniel's a bourbon. Have you ever heard that? Well, the author says it's essentially bourbon that's aged in Tennessee then filtered through maple prior to aging. But you didn't know that. I didn't. So all these cool facts just in the first chapter. And I start breezing through it and reading it. And once I opened it, I was kind of sucked in. So um, I couldn't, it was hard to put down. The next chapter is on politics and not like the stupid shit like you see on Fox News or CNN, but politics as it relates to bourbon. So in this chapter, there's some great stuff. Um, they talk about presidents in whiskey. Like one thing: Did you know George Washington distilled whiskey? He did. He had like he had a, a mount uh, on Mount Vernon. He had a distillery that had five copper pot stills, um, and that was in 1799. He made like 11,000 gallons of whiskey. That is a freaking lot of whiskey. And at the time, it was one of the largest distilleries in the country. You know, there's all kind of history stuff in this section of the book about taxes, politics, lawsuits, and even, and like other presidents too. So then the next couple chapters talk about mash bills. It's kind of interesting. Mash bills, a recipe that they use to make uh bourbon whiskey and all those sorts of things. Talk about fermentation, yeast barrels. And it's all really, if you're interested in bourbon, you'll like this book. And if you want, If there's someone uh, in your house that is interested in bourbon, this is a great, great gift. It's really cool. Um, So you find out that the yeast fermentation is a lot like making beer and bread. Um, Did you know to be called bourbon has to be made with a minimum of 51% corn? And when you say corn, it's not like the corn we eat. That's called sweet corn. The corn for making bourbon is called dent corn. It's hard, like a rock, really hard. And it's usually, uh, they give it for livestock or for processed food, like nacho chips. That's all made from dent corn. And besides corn, to go into the mash bill, uh, the bourbon guys use malted barley, rye, and wheat. And it to me, it sounds a lot like bread, real a whole lot like bread. Then they get into uh, a whole lot of stuff about yeast. Now, yeast, if you don't know, is what makes the alcohol. And um, I don't know much about yeast, but I know there's two kinds after <laughs> after reading this book, duh, uh baker's yeast and brewer's yeast. And nowadays there's even laboratories that do nothing but maintain specific strains of yeast for like whiskey clients, for their customers, no shit. It, it's like more than you ever wanted to know about yeast, just in this one uh, chapter. And then um, there's another part in the book that talks about the still. That's that copper tower that you see on all the, the labels where they put all that mash in, they boil it, and they uh, distill it out. So if you Google the word bourbon, um, you'll see pictures of these little copper towers. I shouldn't say little. They're actually pretty big. And then did you ever know why they're made of copper? I didn't. But it turns out the copper keeps sulfur and sulfides out of the distillate. And what that means in English is like if you didn't make it out of copper, you'd get this rotten, nasty vegetable smell. And that uh, copper helps get rid of that. Um, And think about it. like So uh, natural gas coming out of the ground, they put that uh, rotten egg smell. That's what your whiskey or your bourbon would smell like. So when they use copper, that means when you open the bottle, it smells like whiskey and not like shit. (laughs) And then uh, the last part of that same chapter is about oak barrels. And I thought this was pretty, I'm big, uh, interested in wood all the time. This is um, so like that iconic uh, whiskey barrel, bourbon barrel that you see in all the commercials. But I bet you didn't know that when they fire it or char it on the inside, the master distiller Tells them how long to keep the flame going. They call that the level of char, and there's actually like a rating. Ratings one through four, and when I was at uh, Maker's Mark, they had a display on the wall. Here's char level one, number two, number three, and number four, so you could actually see how uh, burnt they are. Like alligator, they call it. So um, the char inside the barrel helps with the flavor of the bourbon. You see when the bourbon goes into the barrel, it's clear like moonshine. And then a few years later when it comes out, is it that, uh, that light straw color? That's because of the tannins in the uh, oak barrel that come out into the uh, liquid. So now you know more just by listening to this podcast. huh? <laughs> so I could go like on and on and on, chapter by chapter, but I won't. But the book is called Bourbon Curious by Fred Minnick and it's great for the bourbon lover it's great for the history lover if you're into history there's quite a few history things in there too and um it has some really cool drink recipes in there and it has a section that gives a history on every single distillery there uh, in kentucky and even outside of kentucky so get yourself a copy it's called bourbon curious by fred minnick M as in Michael, I-N-N as in Nancy, I-C-K, Fred Minnick. Go to your local bookstore and tell them I sent you. Rackhouse Ramblings, episode six, we'll be right back. Rackhouse Ramblings, episode six, is back. And I'm going to ask you the question, are you essential? (laughs) <laughs> well, we're essential. I should say we're essential. Firefighters, paramedics, police, EMTs, doctors, nurses, you know, we're all essential. The last few days at work, I see an awful lot of essential other people. Out on, I say I use the essential word loosely, right? So I wanted to get to the bottom of this. What does that all this essential bullshit mean? So what I did is I started with. Um, the executive order by Governor Whitmer here in Michigan. And it went into effect uh, on March 24th, you know, and it's going, this is in effect, this executive order until April 13th. So I'm going to put a link uh, on the website on my, uh, hopefully on my Instagram, I'm getting there, um, of what the executive order actually is. Now, I'm going to read you just a little bit of it. It says, no person or entity shall operate a business or conduct operations that require workers to leave their homes or places of residence, except to the extent that those workers are necessary to sustain or protect life or conduct minimum business operations. So when I read that sentence, I read that verbatim off the executive order, the part that jumps out to me is workers are necessary to sustain or protect life. And you know, of course, I guess that's a comment, it sticks out to everyone, right? So further along the executive order, it defines that and I'll read it to you. For purposes of this order, workers are necessary to sustain or protect life are defined as critical infrastructure workers. And you say, what is a critical infrastructure worker? Sure enough, I'll read right from the executive order. Here's what it's defined as. Uh, For purposes of this order, critical infrastructure workers are those workers described by the director of the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency in his guidance of March 19, 2020 on the COVID-19 response. Such workers include each of the following sectors. So this is defined not just by the governor. She took it from uh, the federal government. So there's a list of them here and I'll read them to you. Number one is healthcare care and public health. Those are the, uh, let's, let's back up. Such workers include workers in the following sectors. So these are the sectors, health care and public health, Law Enforcement, Public Safety, First Responders, Food and Agriculture, Energy, Water and Wastewater, Transportation and Logistics, Public Works, Communications, Information Technology, including News Media, Other Community-Based Government Operations and Essential Functions, Critical Manufacturing, Hazardous Materials, Financial Services, Chemical Supply Chains and Safety, defense industrial base. So there you have it. Those are the sectors. You know, it's like I said, it's defined by the government and uh, uh, and they're telling you who is essential. So I, I shouldn't have looked it up because now I know when I see the guy from the True Green Lawn Service, you know, are they critical infrastructure? No. Car washes, are they critical? Essential? No. Well, I stopped to get gas you know, the next morning, so she declared it, and you know, at midnight you're supposed to stay home. Uh, it was a stay home order, but I stopped at the gas station. Our shift gets out at 7:30, I think it was 7:45 or something like that. And it, I'll tell you, it was business as usual. It was busy as hell. People were coming in and out. They were getting coffee. They were getting cigarettes. And I caught myself like, oh wow, people were just moseying about. I put in my card, pressed the buttons, credit, debit, and now I put in my zip. And I thought, oh shit, I just touched it. And for a minute there, I panicked. And I could hear this voice in my head, you know, from the fire academy, like we teach the students. And it's that voice when uh, you're doing the test, when you're in that smoked out room and a darked out room and you're lost, your little pass device goes off. So this voice in my head said, stop, stay calm, control your breathing. (laughs) It took me back. So I'm thinking here, I just spent the last 24 hours wearing all this protective equipment, you know like the mask, the gloves, and I see our Superman standing at the door wearing the Tyvek. And this is like within walking distance of the same gas station, right? And so this is more than people test, more than one testing positive in our area within walking distance of the gas station. And I remember, go back to where I said there was family members standing around those people. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, they're right here at this gas station they're getting coffee, they're getting cigarettes, they're gassing up, they're showing no regard for staying at home, no regard for hygiene. And for all I know, any one of the people here at the gas station has someone at home coughing, hacking, spreading it all over them. So ponder this, have you ever seen any gas station worker ever sanitize the pump handle? How about ever sanitize the handle going into the party store or the gas station you know, or any of the coolers for that matter. Or how about when you go to uh, like a Tim Hortons to get the, a cup of coffee through the drive-through? So they're saying carry-out only. I'd be very, very, very leery about that, man. And you know, it, it's uh, I guess you know what it's ponderous. You can you can think about it all you want. I'll leave it at that. So I back to the gas station. I stopped. I put on my winter gloves. I gassed up, and I got the hell home. And driving home, I'm thinking. This is ridiculous. You know, we haven't seen anything yet. You know, in my opinion, they're saying three weeks, right? But I'm thinking it's going to be three months, man. All these selfish people saying it won't happen to me. And then they say, oh, I just need to run to the party store for smokes. Or I just need to run to uh, grab a cup of coffee, things like that. And those are the things that are going to kill us. You know, I got to get one more thing from the store. I can't run out of toilet paper and all that. So I'll leave it at that. That's that's another uh, short rant. But from the front lines, I'll tell you, uh, stay safe. Be smart. Um, More to come. We'll be right back. Rackhouse Ramblings Public Service Announcements. Yep, I want to make some public service announcements. Those other ones sound like crap. They really do. But, you know, being a first responder, I feel like it's my duty to help inform the public. Uh, Well, maybe not specifically you, but when you hear them, take this message, pass it on, pay it forward. For all those people that don't know, let them know this. Number one, if you have COVID-19, you know, you've been tested, you've gotten the results, you know you carry it, please do your best to self-isolate. Yep, keep it to yourself. Number two, if you've been tested and you're waiting on results, assume you have it. Because we do, (laughs) don't burden the 911 system, the doctors, the nurses, the hospital, because you want your results. To get tested, you needed to meet criteria you know, the coughing, the fever, the fatigue, and all that. If you checked all of them boxes, the doctor used one of the few COVID test kits on you. So assume you have it. Now do the right thing and keep it to yourself. Number three, the virus has been proven to stay alive for three days on a hard service. Think about it three freaking days doorknobs, telephones, gas pumps, car keys, your glasses. Wipe this shit down. Even the groceries you just bought. Think about that. I'm pretty sure the stock person wasn't wearing gloves, right? When you see all them people at Kroger and Meyer, they, they aren't passing out gloves to their workers. Number four, it's not about you. <laughs> it breaks my heart to witness tragedy and death. And the first words out of someone's mouth is I. I this, I that, if I... Well, not a, it's not about you. It's about everyone else. Number five, do what's right for the greater good. Is it right to have 72 rolls of toilet paper? Fuck no. <laughs> Number six, just be cool. If some, it's, We say this at Station 3 all the time. Just be cool. Treat people the way you want to be treated. This is not just for people calling 911, but for the people responding to 911. Treat people the way you want to be treated. That's enough of my PSAs for now. But before I end this podcast, I want to say thanks to Chris and Debbie You guys gave me a bunch of shot glasses. I really appreciate it. Now when I serve up my tastings, my flight holders all match. I really think that's cool. And I want to say thanks to Chad and Terry for helping me with my software stuff. And thanks to them, you can find Rackhouse Ramblings on iTunes. No shit. If you're an Apple person, go to iTunes, search on Rackhouse Ramblings, and you'll see me there. No shit. That's some next level stuff. And like always, I want to say thanks for listening. Wanted to let you guys know my host site, Podbean, is giving me all kinds of feedback, not just for downloads, but for geographic stuff, like where my listeners are. And you'd be surprised, I'm not just in Michigan, Ohio, Virginia, Maryland, Florida, all that. And I think it's really cool. And once again, um, I like getting feedback and I really appreciate it. You guys are really constructive with this stuff. So if there's something you want more of, if uh, there's something you don't like, let me know. Um, you can send me an email at rackhouserambling at gmail.com. Send me a text if you can. Leave me some feedback on Podbean or even just give me a call. So that's it for episode six. Stay safe, stay smart, and namaste. You start it.
1: Send me home Cause it cleared my throat Said don't come back Without a doctor's note Got in my truck Drove down the road Started thinking about Two weeks alone Surfing the web For something to do Thought I'd give this yoga a try or two Now I'ma stay home And I'ma stay here Now I'ma stay right here On this couch and crack a beer And I'ma stay home And I'ma stay here I'ma stay right here On this couch and crack a beer After two weeks Never felt better. My chakras are on another level. Big grandma and bacon, so I will start my day downward dog. Namaste. Namaste home. Namaste here. Namaste right here on this couch and crack a beer. I'ma stay home, I'ma stay here, I'ma stay right here on the scotch and craft a beer.